Welcome to Reframe Your Life. I'm Joanne Gibson. And I'm Sandy Reynolds. Together, we bring you our podcast for women who want to live and lead their lives thoughtfully and with intention. On our episodes, we explore diverse topics relevant to all areas of our lives. Hello, Life Reframers. It is our 60th episode. We are 60. Woohoo! <laughs> Well, this is getting to be a reality for me in many ways, so <laughs> that's great. I'm not going to say we're 60 years old because no. we haven't been going that long. I got to get used to that number though, 60. It's, it's not that far off. 60 episodes. So in honor of our 60 episodes, we decided to do a little bit of reflection and we delved back into our guest list and today's episode is all about what we've learned and what we've implemented from our podcast guests. And we've chosen a few guests that we feel have really resonated with us as individuals and we've made some kind of change, whether it be mindset, uh, emotional, spiritual, physical change as a result of having them on our podcast because at the end of the day, listeners, we do this to inspire people to live and lead their best lives. So it's one thing to hear stuff, but it's a totally another thing to actually make a change in order to help you to live and lead your best lives. So we thought we would actually um, hold our feet to the fire and go, okay, <laughs> where have we made some changes that we feel have really impacted us positively? Yeah, it was a great process, actually. So just so people listening know what we did, we just made a list of all the people that we interviewed. And then we kind of reflected back on the things that we talked about. And then we each picked three people who we just we thought we've really taken something that they said to heart and have implemented it or integrated it somehow in our our life and the things that we do on a regular basis so for me it was a fascinating process i think if we went down the list sandy we would be able to say something that we've learned and a little shift or a larger shift that's happened from every single guest. Oh, yeah, it was hard to pick. It was really hard for me to pick because we select our guests because they have something we want to learn. So that's not just because, you know, they're available or someone sends them to us. We are pretty intentional about who we have on the program as guests. And always we are looking for people who have some insight or something to teach us about reframing an area in our lives. So I think every one of them has taught us something. Mm, yeah. So before we delve in, Sandy, who would be a guest or two <laughs> that you would still love to interview? Well, I tried to get someone on our program, and I think we've mentioned this a few times, and got no response. So I'm going to share this, and I'm hoping someone who's listening to us can make this connection for us. But I would love to have Arlene Dickinson on our program. 
I think there's so many reasons I would like to have her on. She's a Canadian woman. She has completely reframed her life. She has a very compelling personal story and she's very successful in what she does and she's very opinionated. I have her on LinkedIn and she's got a lots of opinions about lots of things. So I would like to have her on. She's my number one. And my other one, I would think it's always what I'm reading now, right? So <laughs> What's the flavor today? I know I'm reading this book called Braiding Sweetgrass. And it's by this woman, her name is Robin Wall Kimmerer. And it's very fascinating because she's a scientist and a professor, but she's also the founder and director of the Center for Native Peoples and the Environment. And so she really writes about bringing together science and wisdom practices of Indigenous people. And I've been thinking a lot about how they complement each other and how they can be used to really support each other. And they're not necessarily at odds. So I think it'd be fascinating to have her on. How about you, Joanne? Who would you like to have as a guest? Well, I actually have a couple of friends who I've been meaning to reach out to. So just going through this process I wrote down that I have a friend who survived uh, going through breast cancer and that was a hugely transformational experience and she had to reframe a lot of things about her life. So I think that would be really helpful for our listeners and also had one who after the children were kind of sent off to university there was a, a few going off the rails and had to help her, I guess, younger adult children work through addictions. Mm. And that was a hugely transformational experience for her and the whole family. Um, so, yeah, I've been meaning to reach out to her to see uh, if she would be open to sharing her story. She has shared her story in the addictions circle uh, to help other people who may be going through the same thing. So um, I, I really, uh, yeah, I think what they've done and how they've been able to reframe and still be there to support but also let go at the same time has been quite phenomenal. And then, of course, Brene Brown is my right. my my leadership crush. So. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone can connect us to Brene Brown, we would also be open to having a conversation with you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so there you go. We've put it out there in the universe. <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens. Test that theory. <laughs> All right. So Sandy, I'm going to invite you to go up first. Okay. So I went way back to episode nine and I chose Jeff Hendler. So Jeff was one of our first guests. We had only had one other guest before Jeff. So our second interview, he was the first guy we had on the program. So he was a first in that. And when I went back and listened to the episode this week, we have come a long way. I just <laughs> want to say... <laughs> You know, neither of us trained in interviewing skills and I think we've grown and we've learned a lot and we've, we've been very, um, intentional about studying and about reading and trying to learn 
what makes a good interview as we've gone through, but it's been a learning curve for us for sure. And when I listened to that episode with Jeff, before I even get into why I chose it, I just want to say that he mentioned something twice and neither one of us actually followed up on it. And I thought, oh, he said this expecting us to ask him a question and we didn't. So later on, he said it again and we still didn't ask him a question. So do you think, do you think we could get him back and yes. follow up on that? So I, I'm at least going to email Jeff and tell him that we are aware of our failure to ask him the question. So we, we've grown a lot. But Jeff, we had him on to talk about transitions and resilience. And it's something that I've been working through in the last few years in my life is trying to understand resilience. So I've actually uh, realized in this past year that I need some help with that. And I started going to a therapist to help me rewrite my resilience story and part of this is the idea that I think a lot of people can relate to this, that I saw resilience as being strong. And I saw resilience as being in control and being able to handle everything that came my way. And that's great until something comes your way that you can't handle. And something will eventually come to your life that you have no way around it. You just have to go through it. And you can't push through it. It's, it really makes you dig deep. And so Jeff talked a lot about that. He talked about his story and how he had to rethink his strength story. And he talked about the two things that we have to do. And these are two things that I've done is think deeply about how you view the world and you can think about that as big as you want on, you know, it could be your family, it could be your philosophy of life, your whole worldview. And you have to know um, how you view yourself. And when you really start to dig into those two questions, how you view the world and how you view yourself, it helps you to understand if you have issues around resilience. So Ooh. I would suggest that people go back and listen to that episode. He quotes Viktor Frankl in, in that episode. And I know a few of our guests have quoted Viktor Frankl about taking responsibility for your own actions in your life. And he talked a lot about um, the power we have to change our story and rewrite our narrative. Sandy, can I ask or can you share about your view of the world and how that may have altered or shifted? Because you're talking about a mindset shift, I'm assuming, here. Yeah, so good question. We wouldn't have asked that in Episode 9. But <laughs> <laughs> We're getting way better. <laughs> so I think at the – so my my big thing around resilience was getting cancer. And I always thought I could control everything that came my way until that happened. And then I realized that I didn't feel as strong about things as I expected I would. And I think that my view of the world prior to that was that I could control the world. That if I did all of the right things, then all of the right things would happen in my life. And mm -hmm. so the shift for me was kind of that, 
you know, bad things happen to good people and that you can be doing all of the right things in your life and shit happens. And that was something that I had to rethink. In fact, I was just thinking about this this week that you can either see the universe as random and just things happen, or you can see it as I used to see it as, you know, it's very personal and that there's a plan for your life and that there's like fate and or God or whatever you want to call it, that there's a specific road that people have and a specific path for your life. But now I don't think either of those are right. Like my worldview now is I think that it's somewhere in the middle. So I think that we have control, like Viktor Frankl said, over our response to things in our life. I think there's some randomness in it, but I also think there's some ways that things come into our life for a reason to teach us things and to help us become better people or to force us to look at our lives more deeply. Is that, uh, is that really out there? But that's sort of what I've been thinking about the world. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. It's a, it's a big question. You know, yeah. how do you, how do you view your world? And, you know, one of the things that Jeff talked about in developing resilience was around not having to do it your, on your own and realizing that, you need other people. And that's a big thing for us with reframe your life is that you need relationships. And for me, it was a big thing to say, you know what, I think I need to go talk to someone who's a professional about this thing that I'm struggling with, because it's been four years, and I still feel like I'm struggling with it. And honestly, after a couple of sessions with this therapist, I was like, okay, that was just I needed to just say, I'm feeling this way and get it out. And that was a really big part of being able to deal with it. So I think Mm. that resilience is a huge thing for women in leadership to understand. And I think it's something that we probably need to revisit again on our podcast. Well, yeah, I would be very curious to see what Jeff says when you reach out to him because I'm sure he can expand on whatever those questions were that we didn't ask him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so my interview is the one with Deb Bacti, uh, your friend who you introduced me to, uh, and it's episode 17. And you had an aha moment through re-listening to Jeff's and I had one too that our uh, sound was really terrible and that is <laughs> <laughs> apologies listeners um it took us a little bit but I think we got there now um I sounded like I was a million miles away and Deb was actually with you so I think how we do it now is is kind of awesome but Deb shared her story one of you know a journey of of helping uh, a family member going through a, an, an illness and eventually succumbing to that and, and passing away. And I appreciated how Deb highlighted the gap between, you know, in coaching, we talk about, okay, where are you now? What is your reality? Even now, refresh, you know, what is your reality mm-hmm. and where do you want to be? And so Deb highlighted that gap. And we normally focus on, okay, we've got to move through that gap. You know, if your reality is here and you want to be there, then we just take the steps to move through that 
gap and we close that gap. And what she really did is reframe the importance about that gap in transformational change. And that gap is the space where growth, so gap stands for growth, acceptance, awareness, and perspective. Mm. And we're in a, if we're in a rush, which as a goal oriented individual, <laughs> I can often be in a rush and we don't embrace that gap, then we, we can miss out on some of that fundamental, uh, growth and, and new perspective and whatever ha- is happening at that time, which is development of new relationships, um, learning new strategies or coping. So even when that gap sucks because you're going through something not so great, um, whether it be, you know, a health crisis or a death or a friendship breakup or a new business challenge or a layoff, her story was re- of really trying to sit within that gap. A bit like what you were saying, you know, be in that moment and let, let the world as it is happening around you happen and take notice and be intentional about where you may or may not want to go um, rather than reactive. So I wonder if we're going to start to see some themes come out. I'm, I won't be surprised <laughs> if we do, because when I went back and listened to episode nine, one of the first things that Jeff talked about was he went into a coaching um, training course, a coaching training course. And the first thing that he was told was to slow down. Oh, that's right. Because he was like, right, bam, 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 I'm going to do this. Yes. So, and that's exactly what you're talking about right now is how we want to just rush things. And somebody else that (laughs) I've chosen to talk about, that is something that she said as well. So, yeah. Well, do you remember her story? She spoke about her um, having a panic attack, an anxiety panic attack after the death of her husband, you know, after things had settled down a bit, she went away on a retreat in Italy. Yes. And she and- had a panic attack in the Mediterranean and she felt that it manifested physically at that time because she was starting to slow down. Whereas before she was just, as you have to in crisis, she was just doing what she needed to do. Right to get through each day, to, to see the doctor, to get her kids through, to, you know, do whatever it was that she had to do. So enabling that process of slowing down, and, and when you're in it, sometimes you can't. You still have to get through each day and stuff. But being intentional, I mean, she, she, she made a fairly fundamental decision to take herself away on a retreat, and, and, and she didn't actually – speak about it was, you know, because I needed to slow down or anything. It's just more because I needed to get away, I think. So, but also during that time, she was able to slow down. And that's when she had that manifestation of this anxiety attack in the Mediterranean Sea, and then was able to kind of come back and go, okay, like, what was that there to teach me? Yes. Um, so I just thought, okay, so I'm, so how have I, you know, implemented that. Now I'm trying to slow down now. I'm trying to embrace that I don't know what's coming down the line, that I don't know what January is going to look like, Mm. that I'm in a bit of a transformational change around my business or myself, my own slowing down journey. 
Um, so it's, and it's kind of neat to be in that. And I'm lucky, I'm fortunate that I can be in that. I understand that. But when I first started my business, I was in such a hurry to earn money and I was taking this and this and this and that contract and that contract and blah, and I was teaching and, <laughs> and so part of it is I've said no to some things. So I'm embracing that. Mm-hmm. And then a big one for me was learning from Deb about the empowerment dynamic, which has actually been renamed to the three vital questions, a guide to work and life. And she became a certified facilitator of that program um, probably last year. And uh, after speaking to her, I actually went onto the website and I learned more about it and I got really curious and I went and did the facilitator training this year because I wanted to bring that program into my business and into my offerings, what I offer my clients and uh, the businesses and the individuals that I work with. Wow. Uh, so uh, I won't explain too much about it, Sandy, because I'm actually going to name it now. So I put it out there and I can't change this once it's out in the universe. <laughs> We're going to be doing a whole episode on the empowerment dynamic. It's going to be episode 61 out on November 14th. There you go. I've put it out there in the universe. <laughs> That's great. Um, but I, what I love about it is this is a basic premise of shifting our mindset from being the victim, which is kind of what you did with your resilience story. Yeah. Being the victim and operating from a problem or a drama orientation, victim orientation, to being a creator and being a creator of your life and a creator orientation. And the shift that's happened in me since I've learned from Deb and since I've learned about this program is I'm getting – firmer and more stronger and slightly even more judgmental about (laughs) the fact that we have choice. Right. You know, we have choice in this world about how we see things, how we relate to things, how we react to things, situation, people, events. I'll just quickly share a story. So I was, I saw someone uh, in the supermarket the other day and I hadn't seen them for a while. They used to come to the gym They've been on their uh, journey of weight loss and getting fitter and they did really, really well. Come the summer, it didn't work so well. So we were chatting and I was sharing uh, my new learning and uh, she said, I think I would do better if I prepared my own food to take, you know, prepared my own lunch to take to work. And, and I said, well, why don't you prepare your own lunch to take to work? She says, oh, well, I can't because work supplies my lunch. Hmm. I get (laughs) it. I know exactly. That sounds like a victim, right? Like I can't do, as soon as you hit those words come out of your mouth, I can't do anything about it. You're talking like a victim, right? I'm really looking forward to November 14th and talking about the empowerment dynamic because I've gone through a workshop and I've read the book. And one of the reasons that we're even revisiting some of our episodes is that it takes a lot of work to really internalize messages. And so to revisit them on our podcast and to talk about them again and again and again is part of what we need to do to really learn something. So I know a fair bit about it. 
And every time I hear about it, I get it on a whole different level. So I'm looking forward to it for myself. And I think that for our listeners who may not be that experienced or have heard that much about it, it's going to be a really good episode. It is one of those things that seems on the surface like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But when you start trying to actually apply it in your life, it's transformative. Yeah, totally. Well, it's understanding who we are, right? We talk about as leaders, we need to develop self-awareness and what triggers us. And that's part of the process and making that mindset shift happen, really understanding and embracing our triggers. Like I'm talking really embrace them and then go, okay, what can I do about this now? What do I choose to do about this trigger rather than being in reactional kind of operational mode. So I think that'll be a fun one for us both, Sandy, because we've played all of those roles in the empowerment dynamic. Oh, definitely. uh, We'll have many stories to share. So yes, yeah, it's fun. Good. Okay. So the next one that I chose, the next guest that I wanted to revisit and to talk about how it had impacted me was one that was a little bit out there. For me, at the very beginning, as soon as we booked this guest, I was like, what are we doing? (laughs) And it was, her name is Ezzy Spencer, and her business is Lunar Abundance. And I remember I had heard her on a podcast And I found her story fascinating. And I found this whole idea about the moon and this idea of lunar abundance intriguing. So I think if people have listened to us for very long, they know that I'm probably somewhat somewhere between really open to things and really skeptical about things at the same time. So I feel like this with anything with the word abundance in it. It's, I have this like, yeah, I want abundance and I don't like the scarcity mentality, but then really abundance, it sounds a bit woo woo to me. So, (laughs) so here we are having lunar abundance, uh, guest, Ezzy Spencer on our program. And I realized that I had started doing something after that episode that I am still doing. And it's really about tracking the moon cycles in my life. And as he talked a lot about this idea of yin and yang and how the moon cycles can be a way of bringing balance into our life. So again, that idea of slowing down and how normally our normal patterns in our life are to just kind of go flat out. And then one day we wake up and we're like, I don't have any energy or motivation. I don't feel like doing anything today. And then we just kind of fool around all day watching Netflix or surfing the internet or whatever it is that we do to waste time. And then we feel really guilty about it and kind of beat ourselves up about our lack of motivation and focus. And what Ezzy talked about was being intentional about putting those cycles into our life. And that's what lunar abundance is about. And so she has broken out the moon, I think, into eight or nine phases. And I don't do them all. But 
what she asks us to do is to look at the moon daily and see where it is and just become more aware of those natural cycles and start to think about rhythms in our life. And so it was interesting for me this week because I had a day where I just didn't feel motivated at all. And it's dark here in the morning now and I was out walking and I noticed that it was, uh, we're in this phase of the moon, just heading into the new moon. And she would say that that cycle is for restoration. And it's a time to pull back and not be busy and to do some things to take care of yourself. And then when we go into the next cycle, then we would start taking action on things. So I really like that. And I'm still working it through my life. Since we had her on the program, every month I go down to the lake on the night of the full moon and I think about the the month that's just passed and I let I intentionally kind of let go of anything that I'm holding on to and I start again. And on the new moon, I think about what I want in the coming month and I start to focus on how I can create that in my life. Wow. So I'm curious, Sandy, when you started tracking the full moon, were you also tracking how you were feeling and stuff? Because I'm kind of curious as to, to see if you found any patterns there. So I wasn't because I, what I was, the way I was almost doing it, the reverse of her, like she started tracking her moods and then looking up and then realized the kind of correlation between the moon and her moods. And I just started being intentional about saying, I write on my calendar every month, full moon, new moon. And so I'm aware of that at the at the new moon i'm going to set my goals and intentions for the month and at the full moon i'm going to do this little ritual of letting go but this month because i did make that connection between not feeling like doing anything and the cycle of the moon i am going to start to track that for a little while and and see what happens and, and essentially, you're right. That's what she's done, right? She's kind of tracked it for so long that that she's enabled us to not have to track activity and creativity and stuff. Yeah. Well, I do think there's something there. And I like that it's a guilt-free way of living. So instead of beating myself up for the fact that I'm not feeling like doing anything today, I can say, you know what? I have been flat out for four days. So why do I think I could be continue that? Like it's time to enter another cycle now of taking a few days of balance. Yeah. And I love that because actually balance is going to come up in one of my interviews that I'm going to talk about too. And people go, Oh, balance, there's no such thing as balance. Actually, actually there is. So this is my, my confidence now through. <laughs> <laughs> It's just how you define it. It doesn't mean you're going to be balanced every single day of every single minute. And look at the week, look at the month, look at the quarter and see what balance means to you and how you can bring balance into your life. Great. I just want to actually bring something up that you just said about, uh, I think it was about uh, the Deb Bacti episode. And you said, you know, sometimes we need to hear things over and over again because be depending on where we're at in our lives and what's going on and the shifts that we've had internally, 
we hear things in a different light and things resonate with us differently. And I have to say the episode that we did with Erin Power uh, was episode 28. Erin is my friend from Calgary and we interviewed her January 2017. And it's now October 2017. And honestly, listeners, I didn't actually start making a shift until late August. Erin was was my friend. I follow her on Facebook. I follow her business on Facebook. She was putting those messages out constantly and I was saying, no, don't believe you. (laughs) It doesn't really sound right to me. It goes against what I've learned back in 1990s. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst I could understand and resonate with a few things she said, I think think my hold-up, this is not for me, this, this kind of primal lifestyle that uh, she's trained in and so knowledgeable about is is not for me and she kept putting those messages out there and it wasn't until like I say this year um, just the last two months I'd say that I began began to be open and Sandy every time I say that word I think of you because I feel like this last few months I've been so open to, to learning new stuff and so Erin is a primal health coach. She's a, a certified uh, holistic nutritionist. I hope I got that right because I did my courses back in the 1990s. And she says that. She did her courses back in the 1990s too until recently when in the last few years when she's updated her research and information. So she really shares this message of eating grains and sugar is is not good for us. Like it really isn't good for us. Um, so try and adapt your diet and eat a little bit more fat. And I remember asking her about healthy fats versus not healthy fats. And she said, yeah, well, I kind of don't like that. And now I totally understand why she said that. <laughs> and my old training, unhealthy fat would be all those animal fats, but actually that's the fat we need. So I totally get where she was coming from now. I was a little resistant over the last number of years and months, I'd have to say. So I wanted to share that with listeners because I think just because we're not resonating with something or we're resisting something at the time we hear it, it doesn't mean that we can't go back to it and, and can't remain open. And, and it was my ego. Well, I know this. No, it's not right. I've lost weight using the low-fat diet, so therefore I'm doing it right. And it wasn't until this year and I worked my butt off in the winter and the spring to get to a certain goal which – I, I get it. Some people are rolling their eyes and going, you've got nothing to worry about. But you know what? We all have our own goals and I don't want to be judged for my goal. And <laughs> Can I just, I, I'm going to jump in here yes. and say something because I know that you often feel bad about the fact that you, you know, are in good shape and you work out. And so your goals in other, like a lot of people look at you and think you don't need to worry. Yeah. But I always look at you and I think the reason you don't need to worry is because you focus on it. Right. So it's, it's not about the fact that you don't need to have this goal. The fact is it's because you are so, are so focused on it. You're in good shape. So I don't know if that helps you with that, but I, I think that you don't feel bad about it. Yeah, thank you. I've had a lot of people in my life say, why are you even worrying about that? Why are you talking about that? Well, you've got nothing to worry. And so I feel, I do. I've, I've, that's my, t- my internal story, right? So there you go. I need to, I need to look at reframing that. Thank you for that. 
because we we all have our own goals and yes it is a key focus and so long story short I I worked hard to try and achieve a goal I didn't get there and come June I was like you know what it's summer I'm not doing this struggle anymore I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm going to eat and drink whatever I want my body reacted in a negative way and my going crazy like I wasn't eating McDonald's every day like it was going crazy for me you know um and so I then became open in August to having a session with Erin, learning a few more things. So then I decided, to, okay, I'm going to do my own research, my own research and my own learning and my own changing and add a few fats to your eating and just start to reframe and relearn about what, what grains and, and the sugar thing I was okay with because I, I didn't have a lot of sugar, but, but what it does to your body and Totally. Uh, it, it's been a huge transformation for me, Sandy. I know you've heard about it enough. Um, and so much so that I have, I, I don't have to pine for those chips and fries and, I mean, it's grains and starchy carbs, right? So I'm eating lower but much more healthier carbohydrates. I'm eating big salads and lots of veggies. And I did the other the other time too, but I didn't eat big amounts. I only ate small amounts. And I'm eating much more fat that's satiating me and keeping me going for longer and, and turning my body into a fat burner as energy. And and I've dropped those seven pounds that I that I put on over the three months. And a lot of it would have been from inflammation. A lot of mm-hmm. it would have been fluid, but it was also fat as well. And, you know, maybe it was half and half. But I just – I have more energy. I sleep better. Um, I don't have to worry about if I can drink two or three glasses of wine. Uh, I don't have to worry about how I'm going to feel the next day if I eat something crap because just eating that crap that I know is not good for me just doesn't even come into the realm. So I'm still early on into the journey. I've signed up with Erin to do a coaching set, you know, coaching program with her. I really feel like being a health coach is probably going to be part of my future. There you go. I've put that out there as well. Because it's always been my passion. I trained in health promotion. I've trained in fitness instructing. As you said, it's it's how I live my life. And at the end of the day, in order to be a great, effective leader, you have to be a healthy individual. So I really think it's it's part of it. I love this. I have learned so much. And you have talked a little bit about it with me. <laughs> I and <know> a lot. <laughs> you know, I do think it goes back to how we learn. That's a big thing. So I feel like I'm still wrapping my head around it too but it really does work and I encourage people to listen to that episode with Erin and you know I think we should have her on again because you're right like I had eggs for breakfast today and I would always have a muffin or toast for breakfast and I've started to switch that over to more protein or fat even I don't even want to say that word see I know fat weird Sandy and then before we got on the podcast, I was kind of hungry. So I went and got a, a little piece of cheese and I just ate that. And I'm like, feel fine now. Like it's, it's just interesting. I'll have a salad now with protein rather than having like pasta or something. So for me, I'm hearing you and I feel like it's starting to make sense to me as well, but it's, it is, it's like you, there's a combination of you have to be ready to make the change. 
something has to become uncomfortable for you. So you want to make the change and you have to hear the right message and then it happens. And I think that's what's happened for you. Yeah. And I love it. I don't know it all. So I don't want to speak too much about it, but all I want to say guys is, is there's a whole community out there who is suggesting that our government guidelines and stuff are not way of eating for our bodies to function and perform optimally. Well, what I've heard, so I'll go one further, is that it's our our food guidelines are dictated by business. So, the, yeah. you know, all of all of the things on the food pyramid or whatever it is now, they're all representation of some corporate farming organizations like the dairy board, the grains, it's all all of those things. So let's not get too into that. But um. <laughs> okay, one example, humans are designed to fast. My learning back in the day was, oh, we can't skip a meal, we can't not eat. Now, f- fasting doesn't mean, you know, if, if you're hungry, you're not eating, like you have to eat when you're hungry. But by default, and then when you think about it, it's like every just about every religion has fasting incorporated into it somehow. We all fast. So I'm just going to let everyone know, you all fast. Because <laughs> fasting by definition means when you're not eating. So we all fast. We all fast from when we have our last meal in the evening to when we have our first meal in the morning. And breakfast means break fast. So just that whole mind shift on, oh, breakfast doesn't mean something I have between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. It literally means the first meal I have that's going to break my fast from the the number of hours before. So even that and then a little shift of eat when I'm hungry rather than eat because the clock tells me to eat. So just those and it takes a mind shift and the fat thing that you said, the fat thing, you know, like <laughs> being able to say I eat a low carbohydrate because now people go into, well, that means you don't eat many veggies. No, I eat tons of salad and veggies. I just understand the makeup of carbohydrates that I'm eating in my food and I eat a higher fat, a mind shift of, for, for me who was low fat, low fat, low fat for the last 25 plus years has been huge for me. So, so we will, we will get Erin on again. Well, I'll certainly ask her if she's okay to come on again. And because I think this is a bit of a shift and, and, when I say to people it's a it's a movement, I think we're going to be hearing more about it as time goes on, and we're going to be hearing a lot of pushback mm-hmm. <laughs> from the corporates and other other people in in professions and nutritionists and doctors and things like that. But as I've seen, there's also a, a strong movement among reputable doctors and reputable nutritionists and reputable exercise and health people who have been living this way and treating their patients this way for 15 plus years and life is good. So I'm just so energized as you can hear yes. with this new, with this new learning and just love the learning. So that's thanks. great. <laughs> All right, moving on. (laughs) No, I love that you're so um, passionate about it. And I do see this in your future. I I just see it as something that 
is a continuation, like you said, of the work you've done in your life already. So I want to talk about my last person that I selected, and that is B. Johnson. So we just had B on in episode 54, and she is the woman who started the zero waste home movement. And I loved her book and I was thrilled that she agreed to be on our podcast. And I found that having her on the podcast really challenged me to look again at some of my habits around waste in my life and you know, consumption and the way the choices that I make. And so I won't get into her story because I feel like we've just had her on so recently and probably a lot of people who are listening now were listening, you know, at mm-hmm. episode 54. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, though, I do encourage you to go back and listen to it. But I do want to say that what I took away from her lifestyle and B's family of four only sends one mason jar full of trash to the landfill every year. So they live very environmentally conscious and friendly in all of the choices that they make. But the thing that she said when we interviewed her was to have a system in place. And I don't think this just relates to how we live in terms of our choices around the environment. I think it's relates to making any choice in our life or any change in our life. But I've been really working on having better systems in place around environmental issues in my life. So I now have a bag that I take everywhere with me when I go grocery shopping. And in it, it has jars that I can refill at Bulk Barn. It has bags I can use for produce. It has things that will help me to say no to taking waste into our home. And one of the things that she talked about was refusing. So she added refused. And so I'm refusing stuff all over the place. When people try to give me flyers or handouts or bags or whatever it is, I'm just saying, no, I don't want it. So that's something that I've taken. And one of the things, the action, other actions that I've taken was looking at people on Instagram using the hashtag zero waste home. And I've connected with a few people as a result of that. And one of my big things was finding more sustainable toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) The toilet paper that we use comes in plastic that's not recycled. And it's also bleached. And so through that looking using zero waste home as a hashtag, I found this woman in Toronto who is really good at sourcing stuff. And she told me that you can order unbleached wrapped in paper, toilet paper by the carton from Staples and get it delivered right to your door. So I'm about to take action on that as well. So I will have a much greener bathroom in the next few weeks. Yeah, I really like to refuse as well. I went to a conference and actually refused a lot of stuff too. And that was her first R. So if you refuse it, but you have to be prepared with something to say, which is part of that system, in order to refuse it politely and gently, then it just doesn't come in 
come into the home. Yeah. Like stuff in the house because she was talking about everything. Yeah. And I had been on that journey for a while. So that was one of the gifts in getting cancer for me was really thinking about what I was putting in my body, on my body and in my environment and making much better choices around cleaning products and skincare creams, whatever it was. So I'd already done a lot of that work. But then it's like everything, you sort of take it to a certain level, and then you sort of plateau in it. So, you know, you sort of, that's what I find anyway, like I made a lot of changes in how we lived. And then you sort of plateau and you get comfortable with where you are. And having her on really pushed me, you can go further. Like you Uh can, there's a lot more you can do. And the toilet paper one was one that I thought about for a long time. Like I thought, why do we buy this stuff? You know, there's lint everywhere and it's bleached, it's chemicals, it's going right down into the sewage system and it's wrapped in plastic. So that was just one that I have been thinking about for a while. Mm. Are you going to make your own mascara now? No, I'm not going that far. So I I think we all need to find... (laughs) Yeah. It's true, our balance, right? Our, our balance. balance. And I, you know, there are certain things that I just, no, I don't yeah. think so. I actually will put you onto my friend because I think her company is looking at how they package mascara. So okay, that would be great. And it's a very environmentally friendly company. So good. That's awesome. Thanks, Sandy. So on to the last one. And this one was, yeah, not as recent as B. It was episode 46 and it was Steph Jagger. And it was her story. She's the author of Unbound. And it was her story about traveling around the world, skiing, basically, around the world. It was actually a a story of, of achieving a goal, but it was also one of personal growth, which she didn't set out to grow personally, necessarily. She set out to just achieve her goal of traveling around the world and and skiing around the world. A number of things resonated with me and one of them was at the beginning of the story she spoke about uh, raising her restraining devices Mm -hmm. and if you ski you understand that term. Instead of saying I can't do this, I can't ski around the world, she saw the sign that said lift restraining device and that prompted her to think what if I went through every I can't thing that comes up when I say I want to do this and worked my way through. Uh, What if I can? So that was the first one. And we always talk about reframing uh, to a different question. So uh, that's something that's certainly on my mind as I get a little bit self-conscious or self-aware or not confident about something. Yes, I've embraced the no when something isn't really related to my commitment or where I want to be. But on the other side, I've embraced the yes, even though it may be a bit scary. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there's a few restraining devices to uh, lift. Um, You know, I've got so many messages that I kind of took from her. Um, We spoke about, you know, needing validation and permission. And really after hearing her story, and I was, again, it's another passion. Like I I had laughs and tears through her book. I felt like I was meeting someone who I'd followed forever and I hadn't really followed her for a long time and I just felt honoured to be in her presence. And we actually interviewed her in the restaurant 
And when she told us that she got negative reviews on her book because people felt that she was a privileged woman, she had no right to write this journey. Oh, so woe is me, you finish, you know, you quit your job, you go around the world and then you come back and write this book. Mm-hmm. And it really resonated with me that, you know, she was saying it's like women can only do these things if we're broken. <laughs> Right. And if we've gone through challenge and if we've come through the other side, whereas men don't have that challenge, like they really don't. It's like, yeah, you go and you do it, you know, rah, rah. But for a woman, it's like our rite of passage to get there is, well, we have to be broken, you know, we have to have gone through some kind of tragedy. And so her negative reviews about her book weren't related to her writing or her story. They were related to who the hell do you think you are going and doing this and then coming back and writing a book about it. And I kind of like how she said, and I don't don't care what you think of me. (laughs) (laughs) I want to show women that we can write our own story and share our story and, and we don't have to have gone through some kind of tragedy in order to be able to do that because we don't need validation. She didn't write that book for all those reviews. She wrote that book because she wanted to get her story. I really liked that. My learning from her around balancing the feminine in her life, like actually awakening the feminine in her life, Mm -hmm. bringing it forth and then balancing it with the masculine. Because again, my story, as I've been told, I'm too masculine oriented, I'm too dominating, I'm too leadership oriented can't you be more feminine, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. So for her, when she kind of said that and she said it in her book, it's like, oh, okay, it's that balance word again. It doesn't mean I shouldn't be all these other wonderful, strong, powerful things that I am, but how can I bring that feminine and what does that vulnerability look like to me? Where is the ego saying, no, you can't do that, and how can I understand that it it is just the ego basically so I feel like the these messages you know the last two especially that you're talking about with Steph and with Aaron they really complement each other I feel in your life like I as I'm listening to Mm. you I think there's this the ego came up twice like in both you mentioned it and one was you know the ego that was holding you back from change. So I think that there's, there's a complementary thing going on here that sort of one has enabled the other in a way. So maybe some of the things that you've been learning through listening to and doing these interviews has enabled some of the other changes in your life. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Steph mentioned she's working from a place of motivation through curiosity and joy and gratitude and compassion and that to me to me I'm not saying it it feels more feminine oriented and that's not how I was wired and how Mm -hmm. I operated and I really resonated with her because she she said her kind of default operation was more from a fear motivation you know motivated through fear I've got to do this. I've got to achieve this. If, if I do this, then I'll get this and then I'll be liked and then I'll be strong and then I'll be able to ski down the hill the fastest and the biggest and the bettest, you know, betterest and like, <laughs> not even a word. 
So I've really started to try and bring, yeah, that curiosity and that joy and that gratitude. And I think, yeah, you're right. Maybe that, that led me to, okay, what, what's something I can do differently in my life around my health and my fitness and how I'm functioning in my business. And so, yeah, there's definitely been an, uh, an open. And so that's a mindset shift. So another kind of with Erin, it was a mindset and a physical shift. And I'm just, like so excited to be able to be on this journey. And one final thing with Steph, which I think we underestimate all the time, and that's why, again, trying to be present in this place, in the gap, if I can really relate my three together, like Deb's gap of embrace it, this is the area for growth, is Steph introduced me or asked to, we need to be celebrating the start line as well as the finish line to put things out there and be celebrating that you're putting them out there is just as valid as whether you achieve the goal in the end as long as you've done the work you know and the growth and the trans you know the, the gone through the process and put it out there and do nothing about it okay maybe that's not a huge celebration but to put it out there and then to start making steps towards what you want to achieve um, is worth celebrating. I like that. I think that's a great way to end. We have had some phenomenal guests on our program and I encourage people to go back and re-listen. In the next few weeks, we're taking a break from recording and we're going to share two of our other favorite episodes or two of our favorite episodes and we're going to surprise you with which ones we choose we're each going to choose one so follow us on social media on instagram or facebook or sign up for our newsletter and you'll see which ones we choose i do encourage people you don't get these things the first time you listen to them sometimes you go back and you listen to something a few times and then it really starts to make sense to you and you start to internalize it a little bit more so it's been great revisiting these guests and we thank all of the people who have been on our program so far and we look forward to bringing you more exciting new interviews as we go forward hi life reframers did you enjoy our episode today if so please leave a review on itunes or google play Also, check us out on all our social media avenues via reframeyourlife.ca.